What's up, shadowy sleuths? Welcome to Sinister Silhouettes, the podcast where we dive headfirst into the darkest corners of the human psyche. I'm Tasha Pierce, your guide through the twisted tapestry of true crime, unsolved mysteries, and paranormal phenomena. Together, we'll unravel these sinister silhouettes, shining a light on the darkness that can reside within the human soul. Please do me the honor of rating, reviewing, and subscribing to Sinister Silhouettes wherever you're listening. What's up, shadowy sleuths? Look, two things that you might need to be aware of. I just came in hot today. I was I was already in mid-conversation, and I did not stop to give any type of greeting. So, hey there, shadowy sleuths. And the second thing is, please forgive me. You may hear my grandson toddling about in the background. He is not in the background in a lot of places, and that's why I just didn't stop everything and record over. But you will hear him. And he's, he's just saying hi. <laughs> With all that aside, I hope you enjoy today's show. Hi, guys. So I received two pieces of feedback on my Ruby Frankie, the averted Lori Vallow 2.0. Uh, episode and I wanted to share them with the audience. Uh, the first was from a user on Spotify who said the music is very disturbing. If you all believe that I should cut the music out of my podcast, please drop a comment on this episode or go over to my social medias. Most of them are Sinister Silhouettes podcast where you can leave me feedback or you can leave me feedback at Sinister Silhouettes Podcast at gmail.com. I'm going to take you guys' re recommendations on that. Honestly, I use the music because I think my voice is kind of boring <laughs> and I kind of want to spice it up. So if you all think the music is distracting, please let me know and I will make changes to my editing for that. And then my second comment was from a Spotify user who said, you need to do a lot more research. Lori Vallow and Rachel Frankie's, I think her name is Ruby Frankie, but she said Rachel. So Lori Vallow and Rachel Frankie's actions do not represent nor coincide with the real beliefs of Mormonism. Disappointing. Mormons would never be okay with this. I am sorry if I made it sound like this is something that I think is indicative of all Mormons. I think I even said in the episode that they are uh, doing things that go beyond the teachings of the leadership of, of Mormons. However, what I did mean when I said Mormonism may play a part in this is the extreme Mormonism. When these people become uh, extremists and an extremist in any religion kind of perverts what is there, adds for, to it or takes away from it, and they make it their own. And they believe that they are walking closer to God when they're doing this, when in all actuality, they're getting further and further away from what mainstream religion teaches. And that is the same for Mormonism. It's the same for Jehovah's Witnesses. It's the same for evangelicals all the way across the board. There are extreme movements in every religion and those people who pervert the teachings are making it bad because those are the people who get amplified. I know very little, very little about the Mormon faith. What I do know about it um, are, are things that I've learned from watching documentaries and that I don't even know one member of the Mormon faith. But when you say the word Mormon, 
I immediately think of the extreme cases of Mormonism. That is not fair, but that is reality. It is reality. So I did not mean to insinuate that every Mormon would be uh, susceptible to these teachings, such as Ruby Frankie, such as Jody Hildebrandt, such as Lori Vallow. But they are the, the Mormons whose message is being uber amplified, and it is a very, very poor representation of the faith. So please accept my sincere apology if I offended you in my telling of the Ruby Frankie story. Please know that I know that there are not as many bad apples in that religion as is represented by the mainstream media. However, I do appreciate all feedback. So any and all feedback, please send it to Sinister Silhouettes Podcast at gmail.com. And I will try to respond to as many as I can. And if you like for a, a personal response without me saying anything about it on the podcast, I will do that too. I also received a review on Apple Podcast. This one is from Crime Love. Thank you, Crime Love, because Crime Love gave me a five-star review and said, stumbled upon your podcast today when I was looking for info on Ruby Frankie and immediately subscribed. Love your voice, content, and thorough research. So thank you for making my day. Thank you for making my day, Crime Love. I appreciate it. <laughs> so while I await your further feedback, I guess we'll revisit some old cases that have some new things happening to them. Earlier, I was talking about poor representation of the Mormon faith, and wouldn't you know it, Lori Vallow Daybell has slithered her way back into the news. I talked about her last week, and then speak of the devil, the actual devil. So we know that in May 2023, Lori Vallow Daybell was convicted of some truly shocking crimes. She was found guilty of murdering her own children, seven-year-old J.J. Vallow and 16-year-old Tylee Ryan. But that's not all. She was also convicted of conspiring to murder her fifth husband, Chad Daybell's first wife, Tammy Daybell. The verdict, a life sentence in prison with no chance of parole. Now, that might seem like the end of the story, but it is not. Lori is entitled, like all the other defendants, is entitled to the appeals process. And indeed, her lawyer has filed an appeal. They're raising questions about her mental state. They're also bringing up concerns about issues with the prosecutor's statements, uh, changes to the indictment, and her right to a speedy trial. So it's worth noting that back in 2021, a judge initially ruled Lori was incompetent to stand trial following her indictment and her not guilty plea. She was only deemed fit to stand trial after she spent 10 months in a mental hospital. So the case took a truly disturbing turn when the bodies of Lori's children were discovered buried on Chad Daybell's Idaho property in June 2020 months after they were last seen alive in September 2019. So Chad Daybell, Lori's new husband, is also deeply entangled in this case. Uh, he has also pleaded not guilty and his trial is scheduled for April Fool's Day 2024. How fitting. So now during Lori's trial, her own son, Colby Ryan, 
took the stand and described how his mother had changed after meeting Chad. So prosecutors argued that Lori had committed those heinous acts for money, power, and sex. As for that appeal, it's going to be quite a lengthy process as the Idaho Supreme Court carefully reviews the concerns raised by Lori Daybell's attorney. I'm wondering if her statement after being sentenced will help her case for being incompetent because it was quite bizarre. I would like to start by quoting John from the New Testament in the Bible. In John chapter 8, verse 7, Jesus says, He that is without sin among you, let him cast first cast a stone at her. Then in first, verse 15, Jesus says, Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. Jesus knows me. And Jesus understands me. I mourn with all of you who mourn my children and Tammy. Jesus Christ knows the truth of what happened here. Jesus Christ knows that no one was murdered in this case. Accidental deaths happen. Suicides happen. Fatal side effects from medications happen. I have a different perspective in life. Because in 2002, when I was pregnant with Tylee, I died in the hospital while in labor with her. They tried to stop my labor. They put me on the table and they put something in my IV and I felt my spirit falling to the floor. I was standing near my pregnant body watching the doctors try to revive me, which took them a few minutes. In that time, my sister Stacy was standing to my left. I turned to hug her and was surprised that her spirit was as tangible as a physical body because I knew I was in spirit and she was in spirit. She said she needed to show me some things and we went to heaven. I later returned to my body. Because of this experience, I have access to heaven and the spirit world. Since then, I have had many communications from people now living in heaven, including my children, Tylee Ashlyn and Joshua Jackson. My sisters, Stacy and Lolly, my aunts and my uncles, and my grandparents. I have had many communications with Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world, and our heavenly parents. I have had many angelic visitors have come and communicated with me and even manifested themselves to me. Because of these communications, I know for a fact that my children are happy and busy in the spirit world. Because of my communications with my friend, Tammy Daybell, I know that she is also very happy and extremely busy. I have always mourned the loss of my loved ones, and I have lost many in this mortal world. However, I know them more than most people. I know where they are now and what they're doing. I know how wonderful heaven is, and I'm homesick for it every single day. I know we all lived in heaven before we were born on earth, and we were all adult spirits in the heavenly realm. We chose to come to earth as mortals. Heaven is more wonderful than you can possibly imagine. I do not fear death, but I look forward to it. I, do not, I did not want to return to my body when I was out of it. Even though my son Colby, who I adored more than anything, was only six years old at the time, and I was about to give birth to this new baby girl that I wanted so badly. <laughs> I was 
a young mother. And you would think I wouldn't want to leave my children. But as I stood in heaven, I did not want to go back. I thought they would be fine without me because I was peaceful and I was happy and I was home. But then I was told by Jesus that I needed to go back and complete things that I had covenanted or promised to do before I was born. This caused me a lot of distress because I knew heaven was my real home and I only wanted to be there. I was free from pain, emotional and physical. But then I was shown how I would help my children and others in the future. So ultimately, I did agree to go back to my body. Kylie has visited me. She is happy and very busy. Tylee is free now from all the pains of her life. Tylee suffered horrible physical pain her whole life. I sat with Tylee in the hospital year after year after year while she screamed in pain when the morphine wasn't even enough to take away the pain of her pancreatitis. I sat there while she cried and I held back her hair while she threw up. And I'm the only person on this earth who knows how much Tylee suffered in her life. She had pain every single day. She never felt good. Her body did not work right. And I don't know if that was from complications from me dying while she was being born or something else, but she had a very difficult life. She was sexually abused by her own biological father since she was three years old. And she was forced by family court to go visit him for 10 years against her will. I fought for her in court. I protected her. I tried to protect her with my whole life. I tried to protect her. I worried about her every single day. Tylee had to get her GED because she couldn't go to school every day because she never felt good. She felt sick. Nobody knows this because Tylee, like myself, tries to put on a good front, tries to be a happy person, tries to have hope in life, tries to know that she's here for a purpose and that she has an eternal purpose to be on this earth. But I never stopped worrying about her. One of the times that Tylee came to me as a spirit after she died, she said, she commanded me and she said to me, stop worrying, mom, we are fine. She knows how I worry and how I miss her. The first time JJ visited me after he passed away, he put his arm around me and he said to me, you didn't do anything wrong, mom. I love you. And I know you loved me every minute of my life. JJ, JJ, Joshua Jackson was an adult spirit. And he was very, very tall when he put his arm around me. He is busy. He is engaged. He has jobs that he does there. And he is happy where he is. His life was short, but JJ's life was meaningful. JJ was a wonderful person and touched the lives of everyone. And I adored him every minute of his life. My eternal friend, Tammy Daybell, has visited me on several occasions. She came to bring me peace and comfort. And I know that she is extremely busy helping her family, especially her children and grandchildren. And I have a great love for Tammy. My beautiful children, Tylee Ashland and Joshua Jackson, rest safely this day in the arms of Jesus. My wonderful friend, Tammy Daybell, rests safely this day in the arms of Jesus. And I look forward to the day 
we are all reunited and I too will rest with them in the arms of my Jesus. All right, Ms. Fellow, thank you for your comments to the court. See what I mean? Very bizarre. She actually thinks Tammy Daybell was her friend. This is a woman who you and her husband carried on an affair and then ultimately killed her so that you all could get married. You consider her a friend and you think that she would visit you after her death. That's insane. The children who would still be happy right here on earth were it not for Lori Vallow Daybell and her cult leader husband, Chad Daybell, they would still be happy and busy here. But you're telling me that your children are on the other side communicating with you and clearing things with you to absolve you from guilt over killing them. She actually believes that she knows Jesus and uses biblical verses to support her innocence, I suppose. Well, I'm going to quote a, a verse or two from Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses, I think it's 21 through 23. Because the Jesus I know said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That sounds the exact opposite of what Lori Daybell or Lori Vallow Daybell did with her family. And isn't it kind of weird that she never mentioned that she saw her, her brother, Alex Cox, on the other side, the brother that killed her fourth husband, Charles Vallow? She didn't say, oh, he came to me because she knows that what he did was wicked and that she couldn't say he came to her because there is no God in the world who would say it's OK for you to kill your sister's husband so that she can move on with another man. Lori Vallow still seems to be very detached from reality, but I do believe that Lori Vallow knew exactly what she was doing when she was doing it as it pertained to Charles Vallow, Tammy Daybell, Tylee Ryan, and J.J. Vallow. I think she knew exactly what she was doing. She was not outside of her normal faculties. This delusional Lori was who Lori was normally. I further believe that during her trial, she was quite competent and that she knew exactly what was happening and how she could assist in her own defense. I hope that Lori remains behind bars and that she is forced to serve out her life sins. So there you have it. It's a chilling true crime saga that continues to engage us, and I'll be eagerly awaiting more updates in this case. There's another entry this week under people we'd like to forget, and that is Alec Murdoch. So if you are unaware of the Alec Murdoch case, in June 2021, a horrifying discovery was made when Alec reported finding his wife, Margaret, who was 52, and his son, Paul, who was 22, he said he found no shot dead at the family's hunting estate 
in South Carolina. As police were investigating the murders of his wife and son in September of 2021, Alex Murdoch was found shot by his car that he said he had called a flat tire and that when he stopped to change this tire, a man pulled up and took a shot at him. So he was found with a gunshot wound. It turns out in a bizarre twist that he arranged to have himself killed as part of a life insurance fraud scheme and the attempt failed. He, he actually survived the shooting. Around the same time, uh, his law firm that he was working at actually found out that he had been embezzling money. So, and 2021 just turned out to be the worst year ever for Alec Murdoch. He was a person of interest in the murders of his wife and his son. Now he's facing a slew of charges related to stealing settlement funds meant for clients. So by December of 2021, he was charged with a total of 71 crimes with more at it later. Now, we got to go back in the Wayback Machine because in 2018, the Murdoch's housekeeper, her name was Gloria Satterfield, she died in what was claimed to be a trip and fall accident. But Murdoch allegedly was redirecting settlement funds from her death that was meant for her family. He was redirecting that into an account accessible by him. So now for over a year, there were no named suspects in the murders of uh, the Murdoch family, although the case took a dramatic turn when Alex Murdoch was indicted in July 2022 for the murders. And despite pleading not guilty, the prosecution focused on Murdoch's lack of character, portraying him as a thief and a liar, and Murdoch continued to claim his innocence. But after his trial, Alex Murdoch was found to be guilty of both murders. The consequence, two consecutive life sentences with no possibility of parole. There are other unresolved and questionable deaths linked to the Murdoch family, including a 2019 boat crash involving the now deceased Paul Murdoch that resulted in the death of a 19-year-old girl. So those cases still remain unresolved. Well, just like I said about Lori Vallow Daybell, Alex Murdoch does have a right to a, a criminal process, and his defense team has now filed a motion for a new trial based on alleged jury tampering by the, the Colleton County Clerk of Court, Rebecca Hill. Alex Murdoch's attorneys have filed a request to the South Carolina U.S. Attorney and the Court of Appeals to open a federal investigation into a possible violation of Murdoch's civil rights. The motion claims the Collinson County Court of, a Clerk of Court, Rebecca Hill, quote, tampered with the jury by advising them not to believe Murdoch's testimony and pressure the jury to reach a quick verdict, along with other evidence from the defense. Murdoch's attorneys, Dick Harpulian and Jim Griffin, claim Hill had several conversations with the jury foreperson and the foreperson substitute. They also claim Hill invented a story about a Facebook post to remove a juror she thought might vote not guilty. In a statement, the attorneys went on to say, Mrs. Hill portrayed the, uh, her oath of office for money and fame. Once these facts are proven, the law does not allow the court any discretion about how to respond. It must grant a new trial. Now, Murdoch's attorneys also filed a motion to the state court of appeals asking to suspend their initial appeal so they can so that their motion for a new trial can be considered. Former federal prosecutor Sloan Ellis says it's very likely that the court will a court of appeals will grant that pause.
the court of appeals doesn't want to rule on a case only to, you know, maybe years down the road have to reopen the case. So the court of appeals has an interest in letting the trial court um, hear all the evidence that is out there and then only do the appeal one time. This would be so damning if true. So the motion claims that Hill told jurors not to believe Alec Murdoch's uh, testimony, that she pressured them to reach a quick guilty verdict, and that she gave inaccurate information to the judge in order to remove a juror that she believed favored the defense. The motion also argues that these actions by Hill were to secure a book deal and media appearances for herself. Uh, Murdoch's lawyers say he maintains his innocence and the law requires a new trial be granted if the jury tampering claims are proven. Prosecutors are going to get a chance to defend the verdict at a hearing before a new trial is granted. The clerk and the jurors may have to testify about the allegations. Again, if this is true, oh my goodness, this lady single-handedly just turned this whole thing upside down. Oh. Legal experts say the motion meets many requirements for a new trial, but the tampering claims will need to be substantiated through testimony and evidence at the hearing. If the defense is able to provide enough testimony to get a, a new trial, the next potential jury, and this is all hypothetically, but the next potential jury would probably have a little bit of sympathy for what he's been through. I know that we are all told to set all of your predispositions about a defendant aside, but you can't help but know that this man has already been lied on if this is true and we are here to retry him. Even if you take this case to a, a different jurisdiction, it'll be similar because this was a national case. Gosh, I hope it's not true. If it is, it's a significant development, but there still would be a long process before Murdoch would potentially get a new trial. Needless to say, I'm going to continue watching this case with great interest. Finally, filed under It Took Long Enough is an update in the Danny Masterson trial. Now, Danny Masterson is best known for playing hide on that 70s show. But here are some key points on the timeline of Danny Masterson's controversies, I guess. So in March 2017, there were claims of sexual assault against Masterson first started surfacing. Uh, the LAPD confirmed an investigation into three allegations. So in November 2017, a fourth person came forward. So Netflix later fired Masterson from a show that they were doing called The Ranch because, you know, of these allegations. And he was also dropped by his talent agency. So things are not looking great for Danny Masterson. By June 2020, he was charged with forcibly raping three women in separate incidents between 2001 and 2003. All three alleged rapes occurred at his home, uh, according to these allegations and the prosecutors. Now, Masterson is a longtime Scientologist, and the three women who accused him of rape were also Scientologists at the time. I know there are some who will say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Scientologists have a rigid kind of uh, belief system and one of the things that they really don't want attached to Scientology is something that will give the organization a bad 
rapport with the public and you having a predator, sexual predator amongst your celebrity uh, parishioners uh, would bring reproach <laughs> on the organization of Scientology. Anywho, Danny Masterson, being a longtime Scientologist and a celebrity Scientologist, Scientology, the organization, might want to protect him because it would be in their best interest for him to be a continued member and for also to not give bad publicity to Scientology. But anywho, the women who were making the allegations said the Church of Scientology were covering up these allegations and they didn't initially report them to the police. The church, of course, is denying that they were any part of any cover up. Masterson's accusers also claim that they were harassed and they were intimidated by the Church of Scientology after they came forward. Of course, the church is saying we never harassed them, but there are examples of the Church of Scientology being pretty uh, aggressive with their former members. You guys, we can talk about that at another time. I'm not even going to get into it today. But um, Masterson's first trial ended in a hung jury. So there were reports that were uh, indicating that some of the jurors were skeptical of the women's credibility because of their ties to Scientology. So there was another trial for uh, Danny Masterson. And his, his lawyer emphasized at trial that the case was about the credibility of the accusers, noting that Masterson denied the allegations, claimed that he had consensual sex with these women, but it was never a sexual assault. Now, critics are arguing that the Church of Scientology have made it very difficult for these women to be believed and also in their uh, campaign of harassing them. So given this policies about reporting crime, Scientology is not about to step out and participate or cooperate in some type of investigation. Before I go any further, Scientology is not directly a part of his legal defense. They are not part of his team, but his status as a Scientologist and the accuser's ties to it may have influenced a jury, may have made their uh, debate around credibility among all of them that first trial. So by August 2019, those four accusers sued Danny Masterson and the Church of Scientology. They allege harassment. Now Masterson has pleaded not guilty to everything, all these charges, these, these sexual assault charges. He pretty much saying, no, we ain't harassed nobody either to the, to the uh, civil suit that is going on. Uh, the, his accusers, however, did come forward at the preliminary hearing, and they all testified, all four women. Now, his trial began in Los Angeles in October of 2022, and the accusers again testified in open court. The trial continued with emotional testimony from uh, these accusers. By May 2023, Masterson was found guilty and convicted on two counts of rape after jury deliberated for over a week. By September 2023, yeah, that's very recent, huh? We're not too far into September right now. This month, in fact, just a few days ago, Danny Masterson was sentenced to 30 years to life in prison for those rapes. After years of allegations and lawsuits, he was ultimately convicted. And these were, again, cases from the early 2000s. 
We have breaking news. Danny Masterson has just been sentenced to 30 years to life in prison and has been ordered to register as a sex offender. A jury convicted the actor on two counts of rape back in May. Masterson was charged with raping three women at his Hollywood Hills home between 2001 and 2003. Jurors deadlocked on the third rape charge involving a former girlfriend. So, of course, just like everybody else we talked about today, we should expect an appeal. Already, some star-studded character witnesses have emerged for Danny Masterson. Now, Ashton Kutcher and his wife, Mila Kunis, they've stepped up for their friend and their former co-star in that 70s show. The couple wrote letters to the judge hoping to influence their sentencing. And in their letters, Kutcher and Kunis called Masterson a role model and spoke positively of his character. Kunis said he had a tremendous positive influence. Kutcher said in his letter that having Masterson's daughter grow up without him would be an injustice. I wonder how he feels about the women who got raped. Um, anywho, Ashton Kutcher went on to say he didn't think Masterson was an ongoing harm to society. Other That 70s Show stars like De Deborah Jo Rupp and Kurtwood Smith also wrote letters on Masterson's behalf. They wrote these letters after Masterson was convicted, and it leads me to assume they're setting aside the jury's verdict and standing behind their friend. It's kind of disappointing because that sends a message that whether he did this or not, they're going to advocate for a light sentence. Now, a jury has already found him guilty of these assaults, and he deserves the harshest sentence that can be imposed for these crimes, despite the opinions of his friends in high places or Hollywood. Fortunately, the judge wasn't swayed, but the show is very likely not over. We will be watching. Like always, before we wrap up this journey into the shadows, remember, the mystery doesn't stop here, fam. If you've got a theory, a question, or just want to share your thoughts, don't be shy. Reach out to me on our social media pages because this podcast is all about community. Also, I will be awaiting feedback about the music and anything else you guys want to send my way at SinisterSilhouettesPodcast at gmail.com so you can reach out to me there as well. And if you're enjoying these Sinister Silhouettes as much as I'm enjoying bringing them to you, make sure you hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. You will not want to miss a single spine-tingling episode. So, until next time, Shadowy Sleuths, keep your flashlight handy and your curiosity alive. This is Tasha signing off. Stay sharp, stay sassy, and keep shining a light on those shadows. Be safe out there. Peace.